Hey kids, this is Yoshi, and this episode of podcast is brought to you by Punk Apparel. Go to punk.co, that's punc.co, and enter promo code Yoshi, Y O S H I, in all caps, at the checkout for 15% off all items. Punk Apparel accepts all major currencies and offer free worldwide shipping. And the last thing I need to mention to you guys is that、um, I've been doing this medical lab job literally as guinea pig, and I haven't got paid from one of the facilities. And I'm really angry with them because every time they say they're going to call me back, they don't. And they have not paid me. It's been over 60 days. And they have a history of not paying people. So I would、really、appreciate if you guys go to Yelp to complain.、Uh, I also appreciate if you guys go to Business Consumer Alliance and complain about them. So, the name of the facility is Stay Well Research. Uh, which is located in 81250 Roscoe Boulevard, room 240, Northridge, California. So the address is 81250 Roscoe Boulevard, room 240, Northridge, California. And their number is 866 407 Call them, tell them to pay Yoshi. Okay? I appreciate if you could do that. Number is 866 407 And the company name is Stay Well Research.、Um, I would appreciate you guys putting pressure on these guys because for five or six months, I literally went there and gave them my shit, literally. And they haven't paid me back for my shit. So, cons- contact Business Consumer Alliance. And the owner of, of the company's name, Jay Udani, J A Y space U D A N I. I don't know what, who the fuck he is. I don't know what his background I know that a lot of the workers were speaking Russian, but give me my money and get the fuck out of Ukraine. And give me my money, you scumbag, Jay. And that company code, the number that refers to company to complain, their code is 100090695. So, guys, complain to them, call them,、uh, call them to complain about not paying me. 866 407 0266. All right, guys, thanks, and、uh, see you guys soon. Bye. You're listening to Podcast with Yoshi Obayashi. Welcome to the new episode of Yoshi Den. I'm in Kansas City and I'm talking kind of in a low voice because it's probably like one in the morning. Kansas City Royals just won their fourth game, <laughs> American League fourth game, and they're going to the World Series, first time in 29 years. And I'm in Kansas City because I'm here with long lost friend, James <laughs> Inman, is on the show. James, welcome to the show. Good to be here. Jesus, a long fucking time. I mean, literally, I mean, it's been 12, 13 years. Right, when we used to hang out in Seattle. Seattle, yeah. And,、uh, it was that group, which was、uh, Tana, Brody, Brody, and you. And James E. Mang. And、uh, yeah. Tracy Tufts. Tracy Tufts.、Uh-huh. And、um, we see Josh Wolf every once in a while and、mm-hmm. Kelly Moran, rest in peace.、Mm-hmm. Um, but、uh, James is a, 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 a just incredible comedian, the winner of 1997 San Francisco International Comedy Competition. When Back in those days, the competition was real, not watered down as it is, you know, last whatever many years. But James is a very fascinating guy, well read guy. He, he actually r e a d He doesn't just go Wikipedia and read summaries of books, he actually r e a d the books. And、um, 
I I um I think World of You. And ah uh, yes, Unbookables, uh, the, which is a documentary about a collection of comedians. Uh, uh, the show movie is produced by Doug Stanhope, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Doug produced the movie. Andy Andrews, for sure. Andy yeah. Anders, Sean Rouse, me, Brett Erickson, Christine Levine, Travis Lipsky, uh, and so. I'm only familiar with Sean Rouse and mm-hmm. uh, oh yeah, uh, Andy Andrews and. Um, of course, world famous Doug Stanhope. You know, one, you know, whole, if if there is such thing as a Hall of Fame comedian, he's definitely one of those guys. Uh, yeah. And um, I'm I'm glad I get the chance to see you because I'm driving back from Indianapolis to L.A. and I'll have to do a show in Vegas next week. But yeah, it's just it's just a strange day. You know, the Royals winning. That, that's just that's. I know I mean, you don't give a shit about sports, right? In general, not but, really. Yeah, I don't follow sports. But this but is the first cool. time in 29 years. Uh-huh. And this is my yeah. first trip to Kansas City, and here we are. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, James, you, you um, well, you know, we were kind of talking a little bit, like 15, 20 minutes upstairs. And, you know, I got to, I guess you have to leave in the morning, and we have a limited amount of time, and I got to move my fucking car. And, uh-huh, yeah. So uh-huh. we should jump into talking. We were talking for a few minutes, but I figure we, should, we might as well tape it. What are we talking about? Um, um, we're. I'm a little drunk because I'm Asian. I only need a one beer to get buzzed. <laughs> I know. I bought some beer because you were coming over. And, uh, yeah, I got arrested today. Um, That's why, because I, I keep calling, like, like 12 o'clock to, like, you know, making sure it was still okay. Right. To, I was driving back from Columbia, Missouri. Uh, I was doing a gig with uh, Doug Stanhope. Yeah. And, and I got pulled over because I never pay my tickets. I, I get t- tickets for expired tags. Yeah. And, and I rolled through a stop sign. I didn't pay that ticket. So I have a warrant out for my arrest, and I'm driving on a suspended license. Were you driving by yourself, or were you with somebody else? No, I was driving by myself. Okay. So I get pulled over in Lone Jack, Missouri, and um, I go into this jail cell that's like uh, Mayberry RFD. It's just these two little jail cells in a, a basically it looks like a business office you know <laughs> there's so they tow your car one right yeah yeah uh-huh. then how do you get out how does one get out in that situation somebody come and bail I call, you out? yeah i i had to call, i had to call my dad and so mm-hmm. you know he bailed me out and uh i posted bail i had i had like 200 bucks in my wallet yeah. you know from last night you know i uh did comedy i had I got paid so but you can't bail yourself out, right? You know? <laughs> uh, so I'm dealing with that. Um, it's it's only two hundred bucks to bail yourself out of there. Oh, well, it was one hundred and ten dollars. I had to bail myself out. That's it. Well, yeah, it's. I, but somebody else have to do that for you, right? Yeah, somebody's gonna show up. I see. Wow, so, that was a really pretty girl walking in. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so so he came down, get you out. And um, tomorrow you have to go back and get your card mm-hmm. out of there. Okay. So I, I, I kind of knew something was up, and I decided like because you couldn't get a hold of me, you're driving into town. Yeah, because you 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 reassure me like you're gonna be here. So I figure like, well, I gotta drive to that direction anyway. Worst come to worst, I'll just sleep in the car someplace near Kansas City and start over <laughs> again. <anymore>. Yeah. <laughs> I know, but I wanted to see you because we haven't hung out in a while. Yeah. And but now you're all famous. You're Yoshi. I mean, 
you're opening up for David Tell and not anymore, but well, not not famous. Well, I, I know I've in seen some circle. Yeah, I've seen some of your stuff. So what were we talking about? We were talking about um, well, when we got together, I would occasionally talk about philosophy and uh, like I would mention Nietzsche. Yeah, and then you you said something like, uh, "Have you read Behold the Man? Mm-hmm. Uh, what is it?" Echo, echo homo, echo homo, genealogy morale, right? Which is a very, I think it's a very funny book. Yeah, because I, I read it on your recommendation, right? You know, because I was talking about thus book Zarathustra. Can I tell you something? I mean, I, I read some of those for sure. Whether I understood them, that's a different story. You know, I think I get, I think I understand Nietzsche in a way. I mean, he's really Asian. I mean, he's. Uh, he's Eastern in his uh, worldview in a way. A lot of people compare Nietzsche to Schopenhauer. Well, um, no, some because people... he was more Asian though. His philosophy and things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Well, Schopenhauer was interested. Father in, of pessimism in uh, Hinduism. I mean, uh, yeah, because uh, he mentioned the Upanishads and Bhagavad Gita, but uh, those are the sacred uh, the Hindu basis, texts. The basis of Nietzsche's philosophy is that there's no God and the only thing we have is our our own self, our own consciousness. I mean Nietzsche was interested in the self, in the in the individual. And you know, um I I, I agree with you, but the way I saw it was his contemporaries there in Europe when he was around, when he when he say this this was my understanding when, when he said God, God is dead, I think what he was saying, and this is the way I saw it, that most educated Europeans didn't believe in God, you know. They, right. didn't, they didn't see the relevance, relevance of God, you know. Uh-huh. And um, I, um, I, there was a phase in like I was, I, I was into his philosophy. And right, but I, I think mm-hmm. he saw into the future where he knew that yeah. science was going to destroy God because uh, he talks about we have killed God. We murdered God. You know, we have blood on our hands. Yeah. And where are we going to go now? Where is up? Where is down? Where is left? Where is right? You know? Yeah. And uh, we're standing on this. And what I liked about uh, Thus Book Zarathustra was that it it seemed like laughter and comedy was his one redeeming thing. Like whenever, you know, he, t- uh, there's, there's a part in the, Thus spoke Zarathustra, where he peers into the abyss and he bursts out laughing. Uh, so, but it seems like it's well, a, what doesn't he say something like when the abyss look into you? When you look at the abyss, abyss look into you. Right, yeah, right, yeah. right. And, well, that's a famous quote, but yeah. but there's an ongoing theme in Nietzsche where he he seems like he respects laughter. Yeah, and. F- uh, what is it, uh, frivolity or whatever? Um, it's almost defiance in a way too, because I don't think most religion kind of uh, yeah. Promote, but he wrote he, laughter, he wrote so. the spoke Zarathustra. He mm-hmm. wrote it to sound like a religion. Yeah. When you read that book, what I find so funny about that book is that book is written in religious verse. You yeah. know, and it starts off saying uh, it's a book for everyone and no one. But, um, you know, by the way, we were recording on the lobby of your uh, apartment. Right? Oh, right. Yeah, because yeah, so, my girlfriend's asleep. Yes. And uh, uh, but he's he's not as fascinating to me as Lao Tzu. Like when I got a um, copy of the Tao Te Ching, 
You know, I. Uh, <laughs> it I makes mean, me laugh I, because you're the only one ever mentioned that book to me. I've never read it. I know a little bit about it, but you're Asian, but you never read it. Yeah, the but Asian. you're you're the one. That's fucked up. <laughs> that is really fucked up. You need to, you need to go to your roots. Uh, no, um, you, the, you know what it is, James? Like, because I grew up in Asia, and there's many things I don't like about it. So, it's, so it's almost defiant. In a way, I like Western thoughts because there's more emphasis of freedom and things like that, you know, which I, there was so there little. Was a, Lao Tzu was a total anarchist. Lao Tzu was into freedom. I mean, Lao Tzu had... I don't, a, I don't have a problem with him, but Asian society in general don't promote that at all, you know. Yeah, but it's it's the thing of it is one of the things that uh, is in the Tao Te Ching is those that know don't talk. Those that talk don't know. Yeah. So Asians are more like, you know, I'm all about action. Fuck philosophy. Fuck yeah. talking about it. You know, you show it. You do it. You, yeah. You you be it as opposed to somebody talking about it. Uh, I think a lot of Western um, religion is is nothing but talking. And yeah. not doing because when you go to church, what do you do? You go to church, you sit down, you listen to some guy talk for an hour. Sure. You know, that is a sermon. You look, I mean, to me, I, I find that absurd because. Well, it, it is it is a faith based, so you just accept. Uh, well, I didn't I didn't really get into the Gospels until I studied Eastern philosophy. I I um. Well, I hope this doesn't sound too pretentious, but I'm a no, little No, it drunk. doesn't, but I'm, I guess I want to tell people, like, you know, you're, you're a very funny comedian, um, and you're, you're an extremely smart guy, but it's always surprising when I, I, when I don't know your background, because if I just never met you and just listened to what you're saying, I would just assume you're like, okay, you must, you must be from San Francisco, or someplace from Manhattan, you know, or maybe from... Um, you know where University of Chicago, that neighborhood, and you know, like a thinker, you know. But mm -hmm. um, you're from Kansas City, which is, you know, kind of conservative, right? Yeah, uh huh. Yeah, I'm from Kansas City. I've never felt at home here. I I liked Seattle. I did. Your parents encourage you like a different thinking, or this is something that you developed? No, it's a long story. I got interested in religion uh, mm -hmm. when I got into comedy. I saw Bill Hicks on stage and. And Hicks did you, this. You saw Bill Hicks in person, alive on yeah. stage. And uh, well, where he, was that? It was it was in Columbia, Missouri. It was actually at the Deja Vu. And he <laughs> wait wait yeah, wait wait. He had. <laughs> so you saw him live at the same place I you saw performed Hicks yesterday. Live, um, not the exact same room, but a, a different room. But right. I saw Hicks live, and he got an uh, he got an encore that night. Yeah. But the weird thing was, during his show, he he had some jokes about religion. Yeah. And uh, he had this one joke uh, where he um, uh, he was on stage. He had a cigarette, and he was, and there were balloons on on the on the back of the stage. Yeah. And he takes a cigarette, and he's doing this religious bit, and um, and he goes, "Fuck you, pilot!" And he takes his cigarette, and he bursts a balloon yeah you know and the balloon pops like it was the sound of a gun and i was like what the hell is he talking about i did at the time i didn't even know who pilot was yeah. you know and i asked my friend what i didn't get that joke what is what does he mean by pilot and he goes you don't know who pilot was uh during that religious bit and i i go no he goes pontius pilot Pontius Pilate uh, executed Jesus Christ. Right, right. And so I got well, well reluctantly. 
He was pressured by the Jews. Well, to, yeah. I know, but they say that the Gospels were written by Romans. Yeah. So, um, so I was embarrassed that, you know, I knew that I read a lot because I was reading all yeah. kinds of stuff. And I was embarrassed that I'd never actually read the Gospels. So yeah. I was like, well, I'm going to read the Gospels. And so that led me to philosophy and religion, Buddhism, Taoism. Uh, and, and believe me, James is not saying this thing just because it's so hip right now. You were doing this shit. 96 or 97, whenever I met you. Oh, you, yeah. You, I went to you, a you Buddhist, were really into it. Well, I yeah. went to a Buddhist monastery yeah. eventually, you know. Um, because I'd studied all the world's religions, yeah. you know, I really loved the Bhagavad Gita. Like I memorized uh, uh, the second chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, so, and and that's the sacred book uh, that go next to uh, Upanishad, right? Yeah, uh -huh. and uh, but I always loved the Tao Te Ching, and mm -hmm. what I find is Chinese funny text. is what I find funny is you've never read it. Well, see, my my western philosophy that I was born and raised in mm -hmm. is Christianity, but when you go to church, of course. Jesus is not in the church. I mean, if you want to know Jesus, just read one of the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, or Luke. Don't read John. John is not considered a synoptic gospel. Uh, it's what does that word mean? It means... Uh, synoptic. The gospels that are more authentic. John was supposedly more poetic mm -hmm. and more... John is more... Uh, anti-Semitic and yeah. it's more uh, dogmatic but Matthew I mean there's a there's a part in Matthew where Christ goes off on the religious leaders and it really sounds like Bill Hicks I mean it's it's <laughs> I mean I know this sounds funny but yeah. but Christ you know he goes off saying uh, you hypocrites you vipers you tie up heavy loads on men's backs yeah and you don't lift one finger to help them. You choke on a gnat and you swallow a camel. You make a big deal about little things, but you forget the stuff that's important, which is justice, mercy, and compassion. I mean, his rant, Christ's rant in Matthew is, is like a brilliant atheist, like railing against the machine. Mm -hmm. And that's why he's been like a revolutionary. I mean, you can see yeah, everyone sees something in Christ, I guess. But I mean, I see Christ as a revolutionary. But of course, I also for, love, for, for sure. you know, I also love Lao Tzu um, and and Buddha. Now I got into Buddha and then I ended up in a monastery, yeah. uh, you know, t st still to this day, I have about an hour's. Worth. But you know, it, it actually kind of makes sense that, that you'll be interested in religion because gospel literally means good news. Uh huh. And Sam Kinison was a son of Baptist, and he used to preach. Remember that? Mm -hmm. And um, in a way, Bill Hicks, his contemporary, was doing the same thing. He was going city to city, town to town, bringing a good news as opposed to, as a stand-up comedy. Well, it makes people you know? laugh. I mean, he, he's a storyteller. Yeah, um, for sure. Uh, I don't know. So was I, Jesus. I, I, I see. I. See I see my role as being a jester or a clown or mm. a fool or um, a trickster. You know, that's my my archetype. But um, and that's a common theme throughout the world that the fool or clown or whatever you want to call it, they're one of the few people exempt from not 
getting trouble for telling the truth, right? Right, yeah. right, right. Because we are foolish. Yeah. I mean, we're stupid. We're clowns. I mean, we we speak the truth. I mean, in Shakespeare, I mean, you notice a lot Was of it times, in Hamlet? There's a fool in, I think. Well, I yeah, know. there's a fool in a lot of Shakespeare plays, but the fool usually says the most truthful thing, and then he goes off uh, babbling mm -hmm. and wanders away. Sure. But he's the fool was the one guy that told the king the truth. Was a full staff is one of those kinds of fool character in uh, Shakespeare, right? Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm not really into Shakespeare. I can't quote Shakespeare, but I I do know enough about um one really good book. If you want to read a book about fools, jesters and tricksters, there's a book called uh, Crazy Wisdom and it's written by Wes Nixter. Mm -hmm. And it's got a chapter on uh how Basically, the book is about uh, philosophy of absurdism. I mean, there's a p chapter on Dada. Mm -hmm. There's a chapter on, uh, you know, clowns and fools. There's a chapter on Nietzsche. There's, I mean, he quotes Mark Twain, Nietzsche, Zen monks, you know, philosophical clowns. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, so anyway, it's called Crazy Wisdom. Wes Nixter, that that book really in, inspired me. But the one, the one book that really inspired me uh, for stand-up comedy is probably The Tao Te Ching. I mean, that book, I mean, I have been studying the Tao Te Ching for... What does it mean in, in, in Chinese? Do you know? Tao Te Ching? Yeah. It means like... I know Tao is used all the time. Like um. A, I mean, Lao Tzu supposedly means old old master. boy, or Tzu means master. Like Sun Tzu was master son who mm -hmm. wrote the Art of the War. Uh, if I remember right, what little Asian is I have? They, Tao Te Ching means like a Book of the Way or the I Way. See. Um, I don't really know because the funny thing about the Tao Te Ching is it starts off saying the first chapter is about how the Tao that can be told is not the eternal Tao. The name that can be named is not the eternal name. So it starts off talking about language, how mm. language is not absolute. So you're asking me, what's the definition of this word? Or, you know, I mean, Taoism is, is it actually kind of, is detached from meaning from words yeah you know because it it kind of taught me how to realize that you might say a word you say a word and you know what that means you know what that word means that's your own definition for that word i say a word and i have my own definition for that word so words don't have an absolute meaning i mean i love that idea I fucking love that idea. Um, in the Western world, in, in this world, the word became flesh, and flesh was God. I mean, uh, it's the it's the first part of the, the Gospel of John. Is uh, I mean, we we have this obsession with meaning and words in the Western world, like this. Fucking, don't you know what I mean? Well, in the Old Testament, in uh, uh, Genesis, it's there with, uh, uh, what is that? What's the one of the first things that God said? 
Um, in the beginning, there is a word, a, a logo, which is that's uh, that's yeah. from John. Yeah. That's not from Genesis. Okay. That's from John. In the in the beginning was the logo, the yeah, word, the yeah. word. Also, also, you know, the word logic comes from that too. Logo, uh, yeah. Logos, logic, yeah. Um, so I, I knew, you know, you you left Kansas City, you moved to Seattle. You're interested in reading, and um, you know, my, my my problem with a lot of the comedians is like I I find some of them I do find interesting, but like sometimes they're limited in a way. Like um, they don't sometimes they don't seem to have many other interests outside of the comedy. Right? Oh yeah. Uh -huh. So it was kind of fun when I saw you, the world famous comedy underground. Um, it was underneath of a club called Swanee's, and I really missed that fucking place in uh -huh. Seattle. I yeah. mean, I spent hours, hundreds of hours, hanging upstairs at the bar, hanging out with other comedians. We go under downstairs to Comedy Underground, where I interviewed Carl, who used to be running the show, right. and you know Ron Reed, and you, and you know um, other big significant person I met from there was Mitch Hedberg, you, oh, yeah. uh -huh. Doug Stanhope, you know, and. Um, I even saw Mark Marin one time. Uh, I think even Louis years ago. I, I didn't talk to the guy, but um, it, it it really was fun, you know. Because when I started, I I wasn't really thinking about making career out of it. I thought it was just kind of fun to hang out. This was high school 2.0, and you were always one of my favorite guy. Uh -huh. um, well, I'd been doing it ten years before I moved to Seattle, so I had my chops. And then that's when I when met. You, so you, when you started in Kansas City, what was that like? Well, I noticed. I mean, I, I, I started off following all the rules. Yeah. I was like, I want to find a way to get laughs for five minutes. I don't care how I do it. Yeah. I don't care what I do. I'm just gonna do what I'm supposed to do, which is make this audience laugh. And so right. I had a perfect five minutes, and then that turned into a perfect ten minutes, and then. You know, I got to a point where I was like, started getting hired for a feature act, so I had to come up with thirty minutes. But, but when I got when I started headlining, I started doing bits about gun control. And sure. I, and I noticed that you know I couldn't get laughs, but I mean I I, I was big. What were you doing in Seattle? No, no, this is Kansas City. Oh. So. <laughs> yeah, so I you do it at the wrong yeah, place. I noticed that, like, whenever I talked about politics or gun control, um, I noticed that they people would not laugh as much. Yeah, because they don't agree with you, right? But when I moved to Seattle, they love I that noticed stuff. that all kinds of political jokes worked. Yeah, I mean, I I used to just go on stage in Seattle and just talk off the top of my head. Yeah, and one of the reasons why I started doing that was just kind of an interesting story. When I went to uh, uh, Montreal, I got invited to the Montreal Just for Last Festival. Is this I, after you winning the competition? or yeah. yeah. And so I talked to somebody that uh, knew Bill Hicks, and I was like, uh, so... You, Any student of comedy, you have to watch Bill Hicks. Right. Yeah. And so I was interested and in... And Doug Stanhope and Jim uh, Seaman. I was interested in uh, Bill Hicks's creative process. And yeah. I said, how did Bill Hicks write? Who did you talk to? I'm sorry. Uh, it was it was the guy that wrote the New Yorker article. There was some guy that wrote a New Yorker article about Bill Hicks. Okay. And I said, what was his creative process? And the guy goes, Bill Hicks wrote on stage. I'm like, what are you talking about? The guy goes, he didn't have a notebook. 
he went on stage and he just started talking off the top of his head. Is that right? Yeah. And so at the time I was like writing jokes down. I was I was memorizing the jokes and I was going on stage performing the jokes yeah. like an actor. And I was like, fuck, Bill Hicks didn't have a notebook. And one of the things the guy said was ninety nine percent of the time who who anyone else beside Bill Hicks doing that. Cause they're fucking lazy, they right? Right. Material. Uh, this guy said Bill had a saying, um, something like, uh, "If it was, if it's funny, you'll remember it." Yeah. Right. So I was like, "Holy shit!" So I go out to Seattle, and I, I, I there's open mic night. They'll let anyone on stage. Yeah. Right. They'll give anyone five minutes, and I was a headliner, so I was like, "I'm not gonna get fired." You know, it doesn't matter what I do. Mm -hmm. And so I started going on stage, talking off the top of my head for five minutes where with no jokes. Yeah. You know, it's just like I would I would just go up there and talk about whatever happened during that day. Right. Yeah. So sometimes it would just really eat it. And sometimes it would just kill. And I was like, holy shit, this is a new this is a new world. Yeah. And so I started kind of figuring out how to just kind of improv, like yeah. how to just talk off the top of my head. And I got good at it. And then that's when I actually, I became a halfway decent headliner because yeah. I, I was able to perform in, in front of pretty much any, yeah. any um, audience, you know, because if, you know, I, I show up in Montana and I look out there and there's just a bunch of fucking rednecks. I just, you know, I just start talking off the top of my head. It's great because you 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 take a huge risk and risk and daring, and you know, another thing I remember from that that room that <laughs> when I saw Stanhope like one of the first time, he fucking walked a bunch of people fucking oh, yeah. out of there, uh -huh. and like, you know, I. I'm a completely different person from early 20s. You know, I still had a lot of Asian influence. And it was just like beyond me because in Asia, they would never increase that kind of behavior for comedy, you know, like mm -hmm. customer walking out of there. But I fucking loved it. I was really fascinated. Like, you know, you're a funny guy, but sometimes you say subject matter that get really under people's skin uh -huh. and then the reaction's bad. In fact, wasn't it in the comedy underground somebody tr ran up and tried to punch you? Right, that girl that tried girl. to punch me. Yeah, uh -huh. there's a clip of it. So like, I don't even, I don't even. It's been so long since I've seen it. But what did you say that like aggravated her? Well, this is weird because um, I was on to that whole. Right now, this argument is going on online because Bill Maher came out and said, "I'm going to criticize Islam, yeah. and it's not racist. It's merely about religion." Yes, it's 2014, and I don't want to, you know, say that I'm, you know, I actually had that same idea in fact he was uh, arguing with charlie rose he, and he yeah, said, yeah years ago um yeah. you know after 9 11 i was like i'm going to criticize islam mm -hmm. because i study religion and uh the argument with me and this woman in in the audience was i was like it's so not you were talking about islam yes on stage and what, i told what, her what year was this oh uh, this is like 2002 or 2003 okay and I told her, I said, um, I, uh, I said, it's not a racist comment. You know, I'm talking about a religion. Right. Any race can wear a towel on their head. Yeah. White, black, green, blue, Asian. It doesn't matter. Um, 
it's just a joke about that towel on your head. I make fun of Mormons. They wear sure. weird shirts. You know, I, 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 I was talking about that, and I pissed her off because I was. She was. It's like, weird because I don't think she was Muslim, and she's a white woman, right? She, yeah, she was not Muslim. She was a white liberal. She climbed on stage and tried to punch me. Why? Well, because she thought I was a racist, and I, at the time, I was like, I'm, I'm doing a joke about religion. And she found that racist. I bet you, if I said it, I don't know if she would have come and punched me because no, I'm not no, white. No, and uh, so that that video became viral on um, on YouTube. In and fact, then, it's in the uh, documentary Heckler. Right, I saw you. Right, yeah. and then Doug um, Doug called me up and Stand he's up, like, yeah. "Hey, I I saw that video. I uh, I want to I want to make a like a group of comics called the Unbookables, and he posted this Unbookables." page on his yeah. website and he put all of his friends on there me brendan walsh um andy andrus uh sean rouse and uh and my video of me getting punched right and he was like these are my friends who are unbookables and then this guy called me in seattle and said i want to make a movie yeah and so that's how the unbookables became a movie and now you're uh re-editing and adding new footage to finally give a real premiere for the movie or correct? right right because it, it, it technically hasn't come out you yeah know? um kevin booth um you know i was like with well, the movie's you know already out he's like no it's not technically out it's not it doesn't have an isbn it's andy andrews i haven't seen since fucking 2003 11 years Oh, he, was, uh -huh. he was working on Man Show, and I, I I used to go there all the time. And uh -huh. whenever they they need a transsexual performer or gay guy, I brought I brought I brought them on the show. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. my friend Vanity was on the show. Shemil. Oh, you know Vanity? Yeah, I I got her on the Man Show. I also uh, had her on the Talking Shit podcast two months ago, month and a half ago, and she fooled a bunch of people in the room at the LA Podcast Festival. They thought she was a girl and one of the guy like sucking on her tits and stuff on stage and then, and then i say hey vanity could you show your pussy and then she show her eight inch dick and oh my god and he still liked it oh jesus Christ. <laughs> jason hour very funny guy oh that's hilarious yeah so she's a big star but yeah i got her on the man show 2003 with joe rogan doug sanhope you know i want to get on the joe rogan podcast oh so bad because i'm i'm into conspiracy i you know, um, you just got to ask uh, Stanhope to help you on that because you'll no, be perfect. No, no, no. It's, it, I called him and they said, well, you need to just come out to L.A. and hang out here for a couple of weeks. And then, you know, but I think I could get into some interesting conversations with Joe because we're both into conspiracy and shit, you know. And he's a friend with Alex Jones, too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't really care for Alex Jones anymore. I'm, I'm into. Um, I don't know what I'm into. So I occasionally go to uh, Infowars occasionally. When you when you when you started doing comedy in Kansas City, so you had problem with political stuff. But so so you did it for ten years here. Yeah, I did it for ten years. What was that like when you were doing it for ten years here? Um, uh, you know, I became a headliner. I I learned the craft. Yeah, and then, but until I moved out to Seattle, I was able to like play around. You know, experiment. so you did all, all over Midwest, right? I played almost every state in the country except Hawaii, 
and uh, some of those little states up in the northwest, like I haven't played Maine or Rhode Island or wow. or anything like that. But I mean, I've played, you know, New York, down Michigan. What was a tough place for you to perform? Midwest. Well, it depends. Oh, I mean, I've had some really bad shows. One of my worst shows was in Poughkeepsie, New York. Really? Uh, yeah, I had a bad show in uh, uh, Princeton, New Jersey. I love that. Beautiful. You could still see uh, where Einstein lived. Uh, yeah, they um, the club owner fired me, but the audience liked me. Yeah. In, in uh, Poughkeepsie, uh, they didn't like me at all. It hurts your ego when you can't get laughs. You know, but I'm I used mean, to that. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm I'm pretty. Um, I mean, I understand the Midwest, you know, mindset. You know, but I also Northwest Seattle mindset. I I mean, I kind of yeah. get so I can I can kind of. But who I, who who are your ideal audience? Who respond the best to you? Um, I would say. Um, Couples. Um, Couples? Are you serious? I get a lot of jokes about um, relationships, which sounds weird, and it sounds like... What uh, are you, the love master? <laughs> uh, yeah, it sounds like it's a hack bit, but I, I've dated so many feminists that yeah. um, that uh, these women I date uh, were constantly arguing about the difference between men and women. Sure. Like, uh, I'll meet a woman, and she's an intellectual feminist or whatever, and I'll start arguing with her. Yeah. And then next thing you know, she wants to fuck me. And then it turns into a relationship. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm living with a fucking feminist. I'm fucking a feminist. And so I've got a lot of material. When I go on stage, I mean, I, I talk about relationships. But sure. it's, it's, it's because I, I, I fucking mean it. Yeah. You know, and so I think it's a new thing now. It's like the edges, you know. Uh, on Facebook, you know, there's two main topics on my Facebook page, which is atheism and feminism. Those two ideals, those ideologies or whatever you call them. And they were, you know, they seem like the new um, religion or the new mindset type, you know. Don't. Definitely Catholic Church is not for it. And I'm sure any of the mullahs and, uh, you know, Right, the I love pissing off. I mean, I, I end up talking with some, like I dated, when I lived in Seattle, I dated a, a, a professor of gender studies. <laughs> of course. And, yeah. Of course you it did. Was just, it was just weird because we would have these very interesting conversations, but when, then she just wanted to fuck me. And, and I, you know, it was, it was, it was a yin-yang thing. Mm -hmm. You know, it was like we were both equals, and I was equally... I was standing up to her and she liked it because she didn't have too many people, you know, most Who people, would do that? most people would kiss her ass cause she'd show up to the college and you know, her, all of her fucking students were a bunch of, you know, left leaning liberal, you know, kiss yeah. ass, you know, but she's like, I was like, why do you like me? Yeah. Why is it that you like me? And she goes, she goes, I can't introduce you to any of my friends because they would never talk to me again. Yeah. You're my dirty little secret. <laughs> and so she just secretly wanted to fuck a heterosexual man. Well, then she must have been bisexual, right? No, I no. No, she was you know, I don't think so. She might have been. Uh but um yeah, she just 
wanted to fuck a man that was a guy that was, um, I don't know, um, unapologetic, mm-hmm. you know, and believe believing things that they say. Right. I, I, I stood up to her and I called out her bullshit and yeah. she was like, nobody does that to me. Who is this guy? I want his cock, <laughs> you know? And, uh, she came to my show and I, I did all my relationship bits, you know, they're, they're pretty edgy. I'm surprised because, you know, my ideal audience for me is like the drunk white male audience in Chicago. Whenever I open up a tell, the, the, to me, I, I did I did like anti-social network show, which is Jim Norton, um, um, Bell Burr, Dave Attell, Amy Schumer, Jim Brewer. That <laughs> fan base are my fan base, you know. Uh-huh. And, um, um, not so much ethnic groups you know because i think it's it's too much it's definitely not for black latinos because they're they tend to be religious and i'm not a religious person at all and mm-hmm. i could be insensitive but for me drunk white guys are the the best audience for me mm-hmm. uh they give me the best response you know mm-hmm. um yeah. yeah so um you did a bunch of shows in kansas city you moved to seattle now you're back in kansas city um you know, and, and you work a lot with, uh, sounds like you do work with a Stanhope and, um, yeah, I'd like to work more with Stanhope. Um, I'm just nervous around him cause he's, he's getting a lot of heat. I mean, he's like, he's like the next Bill Hicks and people like worship this guy and he's my friend or my, yeah. you know, I, I, we used to be peers, but now he's like, Famous. I mean, he's so fucking famous. In well, England. he's famous, and yeah. I'm not, and so I'm scared to call him. I'm scared to talk to him. I'm, why, I mean, why would you be scared with him? Because like, he's just so fucking famous. It's just like everybody. Like I don't. Th- Does he really give a shit about being famous, though? He's nice to me, but because we go way back. But I told him on the phone. I said, Doug, one of the reasons why. I call you very much because i know a million people are calling you and i was like "Uh, i don't want to bother you yeah i don't want to bother you doug so that's our relationship our relationship is he's famous and i'm not you know what did he say he just laughs you know he's he's never serious he's rarely serious Uh, he's always been nice i mean you know funny things you know, you and I we were good friends with uh, Stan Chan, very mm-hmm. funny comedian, mm-hmm. and he's a big fan of David Hill. Like, and I'm really dirty compared to him. He's dirty, but I'm I'm worse, you know. <sighs> and it's really interesting. I would have thought I would have ended up opening more for Stan Hope, and Stan Chan will be opening more for David Hill. But it's the other way around. I've never done front of show front of Stan Hope ever, not once. No, I mean, it's not that hard to open for Stanhope. I mean, he, he usually, when he travels... Well, I mean, I've never done it. and But well, I've done literally, like, close to, like, maybe 100 show, over several hundred, several hundred... Um, well, you've never met David him. If, if you met Doug and you... Oh, no, I've known, I'm, I'm known him for, like, 96 or 97. Yeah, but he's, I don't know. He's I so mean, elusive, you know, but I know yeah. Bingo, his girlfriend, and... When I when I used to bring porn for the man show, he was really nice, you know. But. Oh, uh huh. Well, I don't know. I always like when I first met you. I was always drawn to you. I was like, "Who is this guy? I got to talk to him." And so we started talking, and 
And uh, I was surprised at all the books you read. Well, let's, because, like, well, I know, but let's tell a funny story since we're doing a podcast. All right. I have a funny story about you, too, but I don't um, know if you like it. Here's my funny story about the group that we were in in yeah. Seattle. Yeah. And Kelly Moran. Yeah. Rest his soul. All right. You're not mad at him, are you? No, no. Kelly Moran died. Um, he did something bad. What? He did, he did something bad to you, kind of. No, not Kelly Moran. What are you talking about? Okay. No, here's the story that I have about Kelly Moran. All right. Is that we were all hanging out. You, me, yeah. Tana, Manu, yes. and Brody. Stevens. And Josh Wolf, Wolf was there. Yes. We all made fun of Josh Wolf. Yeah. I mean, come on. You know. And so he's doing really well with Chelsea. Yeah, yes. I know he is. I don't, I don't want to say anything negative about Josh Wolf, but Josh was always the sidekick. All right, we we made fun of Josh, but did? I didn't make fun of Josh. <laughs> did I? I don't know. He was just uh, he was. Too I think people made fun of him because he was such a good looking guy. To he comedy. was too good looking to do com comedy. Yeah, yeah, he was too good looking for comedy. He was too. Cool. cool to be yeah. a comic and and brody and he was, a lot of girls brody was not cool <laughs> brody was not cool tana was creepy weird you were an asian but it was this group that we hung out with yeah. and none of you fuckers did drugs or drank tana didn't drink brody didn't drink or do drugs or smoke pot you didn't drink or smoke pot that is true right and so we all hung out and then Kelly, Kelly. No, now let me tell this story. Yeah. Don't interrupt me. So then Tana got good. Yeah. And then Tana was like, uh, I'm going on the road. I'm going to be working with Kelly Moran. Right. Right. And so Tana, who was a Mormon his entire life, and never done. Half, a half a Samoan. Half, 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 half a Samoan. Goes on the road with Kelly Moran. Now, Kelly Moran was a notorious pothead. Kelly Moran smoked pot every fucking day. And if you don't know who he is, he used to be the uh, piano player for Jim Carrey in, at the comedy store. All right, go ahead. Right. Uh, um, so, uh, <laughs> and it's weird because Doug and Kelly Moran got in some argument years ago about... They did? Well, I'll, I'll go into that. I want to hear that but too. But when I hung out with Kelly Moran, he was not a racist. I mean, uh, you know, I mean... Anyway, so at least not in public. <laughs> let me get to this. Let me get yeah. to the story. Um, so Tana goes on the road to Kelly Moran. Kelly Moran's smoking pot. Tana goes, what's up with that? And uh, and Kelly goes, you've never smoked pot. And Tana goes, no, I've never smoked pot in my life. And Kelly goes, OK, you're going to smoke some pot tonight. I'm going to get you high. We're going to smoke pot. Right. And so. Tana said, okay, I'll smoke pot with you. And so Tana smoked some pot, right, and got high with Kelly Moran. Tana was like, what was he, 27 at the time? or Something like that, yeah. Right. And he comes back to Seattle. He tells Brody, he tells you about this new thing, marijuana. Yeah. Right. And so you guys are like, oh, let's try it. Tana likes it. And so Brody starts smoking pot. You start smoking pot. Yeah. And I, that's when I realized you guys used to come down to the Seattle Comedy Underground all reeking of pot. Your eyes were fucking half closed and you're red. Excuse me, my eyes are always like yeah, that. Yeah, you're always, yeah. 
but you were stoned out of your mind. And I was like, oh, my God. Kelly Moran started this shit. Can I tell you, we were smoking so much pot that during 1999 World Trade Organization uh, protest, we got up that Tuesday morning and we were smoking weed and like, oh, that looks like fun. So we drove <laughs> our up to Seattle from Tacoma, Washington, see 70,000 angry people. And it was one of those weird protests where usually when you have protests, they're protesting like one thing. Like today, I drove through Ferguson, Missouri. They were angry about the police officer <sighs> shooting um, right. Michael Brown. But it was 70,000 people in downtown Seattle angry about why variety of different things. Uh, the growth hormone for cows, labor union days, uh-huh. sweatshop, you know, NAFTA, uh, people who had enough on and on. I mean, we got fucking tear gassed. And, right. you know, I lost Tana for like a half a day. Oh, really? Yeah. And we got tear gassed in 1999 because we were smoking so much weed when people were getting pepper spray. We thought it was fucking hilarious. We drove up there. We got fucking shellacked. You know what I mean? So like, <laughs> that's when I was I don't want to get fucking... You know, we're new world older guys trying to beat me over the head with a stick and shit like right, that. Right, right, right. Yeah. Uh-huh. So that's when I said, I, I don't need fucking pot. I still I know, smoke you were, every you once were, in a while. But yeah, but you you smoked it with Tana and Brody. Yeah, I mean, my you house. guys, you guys were. I mean, it's it's like it all happened after you met Kelly Moran. Kelly Moran. In fact, he he gave me painkiller, and Tana said it's good with beer, which. It is not. You could you could fucking die oh. when you take. Uh, and he eventually pain, died when you take painkiller and alcohol. And Tanner was telling me because he was so high and drunk. But yes, uh, that's bad. I found out later on you're not supposed to do that. And our right. good friend Kelly Moran, who also happened to die from that, right? He died yeah. because he was taking painkillers and, and drinking beer. alcohol. If I if oh. I remember right, yeah, right. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I remember when Kelly Moran died, I said some prayers for him. I mean, I study the Tibetan Book of the Dead, and so when, when somebody died... This is almost 10 years ago, for God's sake. Yeah, it was, but I, I'm still to this day, I study the Tibetan Book of the Dead. And so when one of my friends die, yeah. I have to say, like, two and a half hours of prayers. I mean, it takes a long time. Sure. And so... Um, when Kelly Moran died, I knew that there was that whole thing with him and Doug because um, the club owner in fucking Oklahoma was a racist and Kelly Moran was Redundant. his friend. Mm-hmm. And Doug Doug got was supposed to work there or something or Doug got in an argument with a club owner and it was had something to do with racism. And so I remember, right? I remember. There's a big news about that. Did right. he and, did he get an email from me and, saying? And yeah, and and Kelly was trying to defend the club owner, and he was. Trying you know to, why? Because I think that club has something to do with Kelly. Because Amarillo, Texas, right? Right. It was I th- Texas. I think I think the club, if I remember right, I think he owned it, and I think his Kelly brother, was part owner. Yes, I remember. Right. And so Doug said, "Fuck I you." I remember. Yeah, fuck I remember. you. You guys are racist, and Kelly was trying to make you know. Make peace, right? Um, and, and so, and, and by the way, that club owner has something to do with him not being friends with Tana because Tana went down there, did a lot of the construction shit, and Kelly Moran kind of fucked him by not paying him. What? That's really? yeah. I was mad about that because Tana was living with me. Tana Moran was living with me, and he was supposed to pay, uh, trying to help me with rent and stuff, and I needed her money. And Kelly said, Kelly Moran said, "Why don't you fly into Texas?" And work on the club, and once you, once you work there and fix a uh, built a uh, club, I'll give you the money. You could pay Yoshi with uh, uh, rent and shit like that. And he fucked Tana. He fucked him and me. So oh, um, fuck. 
you know, it's really it's, yeah, yeah. And that I, ever since that happened, I never saw them again. And like Floyd J. Phillip, the black comedian that we know, yeah. When I was talking to him, all of a sudden, a matter of the conversation, he goes, "Oh, hey, you should talk to Kelly." And he just hang up, passed the phone to him. It was really awkward because he fucked Tana. And I was supposed to get money from the money that he was supposed to pay Tana, but oh. that was the last time I talked to him. And I think within a year, year and a half, Kelly Moran supposedly died from, you know, taking painkiller and alcohol. That's why. Oh. And funny things, I went to his wake at the comedy store. Really? Yeah, something uh, cash was there. His ex-wife was there, and the daughter was there. And um, the comedy store? Yeah, they had a wake for him, if I remember right. I was there. Well, yeah, I I remember him from being. Uh, I, I'm out. so fucking old. I lived so well, many. Well, I mean, here's the weird thing about my story with uh, Kelly Moran is Kelly Moran actually fondled my ex-wife. I thought he fucked her. He almost fucked my ex-wife, and my ex-wife was like, "Oh my god, James, you won't believe what happened." I was downstairs, oh and uh, Kelly Moran came on to me. Yeah, and he started kissing me, and he started putting his hands down my pants yeah and she's like he's really hot i might have been flirting with him i feel really bad you're not mad at me are you you're not mad at me that i kissed kelly moran (laughs) and i was like no brent i mean uh tracy i'm not mad you know kelly is kind of hot you know but i remember talking to kelly about that and like i remember so what so kelly told you i kissed james (laughs) inman's wife no, but I I could have sworn he told me he he said I I, I could have sworn Kelly said he fucked your wife. Oh really? That's, Kelly Moran fucked my wife. That's what I remember. Well, you know it might be true because it, it, it was awkward. Like because later Tracy, on, <laughs> Tracy may have been. This is so funny. After 15, like, 16 years you know, later, Tracy may have fucked Kelly Moran, and yeah. then she tried to like tell me part of the story but not really tell me the story yeah. you know what i mean like i mean my impression was kelly i thought kelly told me he kelly fucked your wife yeah. Moran, fuck my wife right yes your ex-wife <laughs> <laughs> i don't know why it's so funny after 15 fucking years well I'm, i mean tracy said that they didn't fuck she said oh he, he told me he fucked her and he told me it was really uncomfortable the next time when the first time he saw you after he fucked your wife <laughs> Oh my God! Because oh. what Tracy said was Tracy said she came upstairs and she yeah. said, "Oh my God, James, I'm really sorry." Uh, Kelly Moran tried to kiss me and he put his hands down my pants, and yeah. I, I knew there was something fishy. I yeah. was like, "What happened?" You, I mean, he was a good-looking guy. I mean, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't. And Kelly was a funny guy. He was funny, but he 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 fucked you out of money. He. He was part racist. I mean, Doug was pissed at him. I mean, the whole. I, I like Kelly, but I've I've heard him say, in a in a very sweet way. I met, I heard him say the word nigger many many times. Oh, I have too. Yeah. I heard him. But say, he he wasn't saying like hey nigger like in a no, American no, history dude. X way. You know what I mean? But oh <laughs> my god, no! I've heard him. I heard him say the N word myself, and I've said it many, many times. I've said it every. Well, I've said it too. I, I've I've said every possible well, horrible thing. I've said every say. possible thing. It's yeah. like talking. I mean, I've said. I mean, I've done black shows and said them the word nigger many times. So, right, right. Um, so he's a comic. He knows that. I I I just don't know where the racism. God, I'm so drunk. Or I go yeah, ahead. where you actually pass laws yeah. that have, you know, an effect on you know black people i mean but he you know fuck i don't know personally 
I'm. He I, was very sweet to black people when I, he dealt I, with them. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I have no. As a writer, as a comedian, I have no problem with the words. But when it comes to, he said, "Jap and chinks and slope and gook front of me too." So, oh really? Yeah. And that didn't bother you? No, those are words. I'm right. racist, so that's okay. <laughs> You're racist towards the North Koreans. No, I mean, I, do you have a problem with North Korea? Did, I don't have. Did I ever, a, did I ever tell you that story about the? Um, I was talking to this Asian girl at a comedy club once, and I did, had a really good show, and she came down. She was beautiful and yeah. she was talking to me she was like i want to hang out with a comedian and um i was like where are you from she goes korea i go where are, are you from north korea and she punched me in the arm really hard like <laughs> fuck you i'm not at the time yeah oh no no here's here's more of the story i meet her we start talking and we start talking about philosophy politics and religion yeah and we get on socialism it turns out she was a fucking hardcore socialist this is in seattle no this is in kansas city this is a korean wow, girl weird. yeah korean girl i'm talking to hardcore socialist pro-union you know pro-union socialist i mean liberal uh, whatever we're talking about liberal stuff and I go, man, it's fucking, you were hardcore. And I said to her, I go, are you North Korean? And she punches me in the arm. She's like, fuck you. No, I'm not North Korean. I'm a socialist, but I'm not a North Korean. I don't know where that come from because I, I, you know, if you go long enough back in your, my family background, there must be someone from North Korea. You know what I mean? Like, mm. um, It all started in the 50s. Right, right after the Korean. Uh, I mean, um, so all the fucking mess started in 1905, Russo-Japanese War. They were fighting over the Korean Peninsula between Russians and Japanese. Japanese pulled the Pearl Harbor 1.0 by bombing Port Arthur in Russia, and eventually Theodore Roosevelt, the cousin of FDR became a broker of uh, uh, promoting peace. He won Nobel Prize in peace and ended up uh, helping Japan winning, you know, uh, basically winning the war and helped them uh, come to a negotiation where Japan occupied Korean Peninsula. But after World War II, there was a fight between China trying to control northern part of uh, North Korea and southern part, the West, the Americans uh, particularly. So, um, the fight was over, you know, ideology, pro-West and pro-communism, whatnot. So, I have relatives like, you know, they're from North Korea. So what? It, it, it doesn't say anything bad about them. They're living under terrible regime. And some of my relatives from North Korea or in South, they, for one reason or another, ended up in Japan. And I'm an ethnic Korean with Japanese name living in fucking America Japan and 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 mm. live in USA now. Right. And so. I don't know. I don't know why she feels that way. Like you know, it's not a reflection of you if you or your family from North Korea. Thank God you're not there anymore. That's what really matters, you know. But um, enough about politics stuff. But going back to Kelly Moran, what was what was it like? Like after you saw him the first time, like you, when you find out he was kind of missing, made a move on your wife. I mean, that's got to be no. Weird. Well, I saw him on stage first, and uh, he I, I, he came out from L.A. and mm -hmm. it was always Kelly Moran from L.A. And he was living in Seattle for some reason. And I thought he was funny. 
Yes, you know, I do too. And uh, he wasn't a racist on stage. I mean, he didn't do any racial. He joke. did. He say racist things, but he was not racist. But he was damn funny on stage. And so, um, but he was like in the periphery. I mean, at the time, it was me, you, Brody, and Tana, and we were just like this clique. You know, I used to hang out with Brody and go over to his house and. I loved Brody. I mean, I, I, I just, I, I, I didn't know if Brody was going to be famous, but I knew I wanted to be around. He has something, something. I knew I wanted to be around him. Yeah. You know, uh, I actually lived with Tana for a while. I slept on Tana's couch when I was homeless. I was virtually homeless. And I forgot uh, about that. Yeah. And so I, I didn't have any money and, uh, he had some beer. Like Tana never drank. Tana was a Mormon or something. This is before he, uh, he smoked pot, and yeah. and so I. Things were things were so tough for Tana that he, you know, he he done like three or four of my episodes early on. But things were tough that when he was sixteen, was barely seventeen, he joined the Marines, getting permission from right. his parents. He said Marine was so much easier than living out his impoverished. Half Mormon, uh, Mormon, half Samoan, half white. Background. Right, right. So I'm staying with Tana, and uh, he, he's he got a refrigerator. I open up the fridge, and he's got a case of beer in there. Yeah. I'm like, Tana, what's up with this beer? And he says, oh, some guy gave it to me. I don't drink, and uh, I just have it in my refrigerator. And so I proceeded to drink that entire case of beer. Yeah. And he's like, what the hell, Inman? You drink all my beer. I'm like, Tana, you don't drink. What do you care? Yeah. You know, um, do you remember the, the porn? Uh, should I talk about this? Yeah, go ahead. No. What? You're going to, you might, I don't know. No, forget it. We have one of our friends who used to film. Uh, <laughs> what? what, what, what? <laughs> you want to tell the story? I, I want to tell the story. It's funny. But don't mention the name. Okay. So, Even though people could probably infer who we're talking about, but go ahead. All right, so no names. He used to film his girlfriends because he had a video camera. This is yeah. before the internet, <laughs> yes. Right, and he he would bring a girl over. <laughs> right, he was, he was dating, and he would fuck her, and he would videotape it, and then he would show us the videotapes. You're forgetting one important part: the the camera that he used. It looks like a, a fire detector. So she doesn't even know they're being filmed. No. Well, one time, one of the girls said, is that camera on? And he goes, no, it's just recharging. I'm, I'm recharging <laughs> yes, the camera. The That's on. why the light's on. Yeah. Because I'm recharging it. And then she goes back in bed and proceeds to fuck him. Right. Yeah. And so one of these girls uh, that he videotaped, uh, she's like, oh, no, Tana, it's it's too big. I mean, it was actually this Tana had a huge cock. Yeah. Right. Oh, I, uh, whatever. <laughs> you stupid. All right. Tana has this gigantic <laughs> yes. cock. It's like 12 foot long. It's thick. It's huge. And it it's was, got its own uh, right. zip code. It's yes. got its own elbow. Yeah. You know? And so, um, I'm watching this and I'm laughing. I'm like, oh, my God, it's it's actually, you know, this girl is complaining that his cock is too big. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we're all sitting around you, me, Brody, Tana. And uh, somebody says, I don't know if Brody was there. No, but um, OK, but um, uh, all right. So, I will eat popcorn and watch it. Right. So we 
we were all sitting there going, hey, did you see that that video that uh, uh, Tana? And, uh, and we all said, yeah. And we all looked at each other. And there's a silence. It got real quiet. And Brody, <laughs> out of nowhere, goes, it's just, just, am I gay or does Tana have a really big cock? Does that make me gay? And we're all sitting there going, yeah, I thought it was huge too. It was the biggest fucking cock I've ever seen. It was bigger than, than uh, you know, I've seen porn videos. Sure. That, you know, Tana ranks up there with some of the biggest fucking cocks in porn. You saw it. You know what I'm talking about. Sure, I worked in porn business too. Right, right. So, um, but these girls were, you know, I mean, they were, they were his girlfriends. You know, he videotaped him. Or or prostituted. Well, I don't know. Maybe you should cut this whole thing out. Why? Well, I'm, I'm too lazy. Too late now, James. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you, you, going back to comedy, so, you know, so you were doing comedy for a long time in Seattle area. So I left 2003. Where the fuck were you in 2003? I don't, I don't, I don't even know when was I was last living time I saw in Kansas you. City in 2003. Why did you leave Seattle? Mm, that's when uh, Tracy broke up with me. Your wife, ex-wife. Yeah. Uh huh. I went on the road for. I mean, my biggest uh, desire was to just be booked constantly for, you know, for the longest time. After I won the San, uh, San Francisco comedy competition. My manager booked me for three months on the road. So I, I remember had, that. Yeah, I had three months booked every week, like New Jersey, Atlanta, Texas, Austin. You know, so I was I was in a different city every, you know, every week sure. for three months. And I came back to town, and uh, my wife said, "We got to break up. I can't deal with this." Yeah, so I was gone for three months. Sure, and uh, she had met another guy. That's that's the real reason, wasn't it? Yeah, she met this other guy named Dano. He was cool. I actually uh, I liked him, and uh, he, the funny thing was um, when I came back into town, he had some of his stuff there in our apartment, and uh, and then I'm went, not a marriage counselor, yeah, but that's usually yeah. not a good sign. And then I go back on the road. I come back, and he's got more stuff there like, than your shit. Yeah, he's got his bicycle in my apartment. <laughs> yes, right. So I go back on the road. I come back, and 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 Tracy goes, um, James. I have to tell you, uh, Dana was going to be sleeping tonight in the bed. Yeah, in our bed. I go, Tracy. I know you're dating Dana, but I have no place to sleep. Yeah, can I and sleep? I'm your whole husband. Yeah, and I'm your husband technically. Yeah, and I go, can I sleep on my own couch that I bought? <laughs> You know, yeah. I, I bought this couch. Can I sleep on the couch while you sleep with your boyfriend? Yeah. So, yeah, I had to sleep on my couch while my ex-wife slept with Dano, who, <laughs> who I liked. Yeah. I mean, I liked him. Was he a comedian? No, no, he wasn't a comedian. He's just this cool guy or yeah. whatever. And so when we broke up, it was amicable or whatever yeah i was like you like him i'm moving on can i ask can i tell you something like at least it's very interesting you're so like e eastern philosophy almost like, detached 
Because most guys would get angry about that stuff, you know. Well, at the time, I was studying a lot of Buddhism, you know. Uh, so um, I just got back from a monastery, and uh, so uh, I, uh, you know, the only way I could deal with it is through detachment. So I just became the Buddha, and I was like detached from this whole thing. I think George Harrison, who was influenced by Eastern philosophy, was very similar to that. I think. I don't know which, was it Eric Clapton who fell in love with George Harrison's wife? But he was like, okay, well, I'm cool with it. Like, go for it, you know? Like, it's really interesting that people have that kind of like. Yeah, like, yeah, the thing, I learned a lot from Buddhism. I mean, it, it, it almost reminds me of like, um, maybe if an Asian guy got a hold of the Gospels and, you know, um, but when I got a hold of Buddhism, uh, it changed my life. You know, I I, end, I I went to two Buddhist monasteries, and so when my wife um, met a new guy, I I was detached. I didn't uh, I didn't get mad. I didn't freak out. I just uh, meditated. At the time, I was meditating on the Tao Te Ching. I had the entire. I'm drunk. All right, so I'm just gonna. I had the entire Tao Te Ching memorized. And yeah. So I used to sit and meditate on the Tao Te Ching. So when she met him, she was happy. And I was happy that she was happy. You know, I wasn't jealous or wasn't mad yeah. or whatever. And so I moved on. And I met some incredible women after that. You know, after I left my wife, I met an opera singer. I met Lizzie Cass. And then I... Um, uh, I met Stacia. I lived with Stacia for a year and a half. And, Can I tell you, uh, there was this, don't mention her name, but she was a very pretty comedian. You have sex with her. For some reason, something between her legs were not right. Like she had an STD or something. Don't mention her name because I can't, I'm not going to edit. There was a comic. She was, she was, she was kind of like crazy, funny. I met her in Seattle. Yeah, what about her? I remember you fucked her, but you told me later on, she might have had some problem between her legs, like she might have given you something. No, no. You know what I'm talking about, which comic? She disappeared. Last time I saw her, almost close to 10 years now. No, no, that was the comic that she had... You know who I'm talking about? She kind of had a clear, curly hair, nice tits, pretty white girl. Maybe she might have been Jewish, but she was around for a couple of years in Seattle. And I think you yeah. were kind of hanging out with her and like. Well, yeah, but I mean, there was this one girl that was hot that just had a perfect body. She yeah. was young, and I hooked up with her, and she had just fucked um, Craig Gass, another funny comedian who does voices right. for Harvard. And so um, she was talking about Craig Gass. Yeah, Craig Gass just fucked me, and uh, he left some cocaine in my apartment. And I'm like, <laughs> what are you talking about? I, first of all, I go, when she mentioned the cocaine, I go, first of all, you fuck Craig Gass, yeah. right? And now you're mentioning cocaine. I'm going to do Craig Gass's cocaine, yeah. and then I'm going to fuck you. I said that to her. Mm -hmm. And so we we basically proceeded to do Craig Gass's cocaine that he left <laughs> yeah. in that apartment, and then I fucked her. And then while I was fucking her, she's like, look, I'm bisexual. I can't, I can't get off unless you fuck me in the ass. Yeah. And so I had to fuck her in the ass just to get her to have an orgasm. Uh, and she is was, that from the the Chinese text, fuck her in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, she had a perfect body. Yeah. This girl was I I won't mention her name. She was a comic, 
in Seattle. Is she doing? She's she, not doing comedy she anymore. She was bisexual. I don't know if she's still doing comedy anymore, but she was doing it for a while. Yeah. I mean, uh, she was one of the hottest women I've ever <laughs> fucked. And when she said, "Look, I can't, I can't come unless you fuck me in the ass," I was like, "Well, I guess we're gonna, I'm gonna have to." <laughs> Oh, that spakes out. Yeah, and it made it even better. It made it, it when I was doing Craig Gass's blow. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a porn story. Yeah. You know, I don't. I don't think Craig Gass is going to be proud of it because he's trying to be all professional and. He is, but he mentioned you know. before in public. I think when he used to do coke. Oh like, yeah, this is Craig, a long time ago. Craig used to do a lot of coke. And, uh, <laughs> Great. All right. Yeah. I mean, he, you know, I mean, he he cleaned up. He went to AA and yeah. he got his life back together. I mean, he's sober now and he's famous or he's getting a lot of work and sure. stuff. I'm friends with him on Facebook. You know? Sure. But I know Craig Gass back when he was funny. And Craig Gass got into a fight with Brody. Brody, yes. I was there when he when brody went up and tried to punch him in the face and the weird thing was was i was friends with craig and brody so i didn't know i didn't know i couldn't take sides i mean i didn't take sides i mean i like brody and i like craig this is the, this is the way i remember i remember brody saying something about it's it's really tough trying to compete with Letterman Leno because he and Tana Manu used to have a public public access cha uh -huh. channel show Called Juice and Samoan saving the world. Yeah, and then Craig Gas uh, went after him. A couple of people afterwards saying, "Like you fucking comparing yourself with Leno and Letterman." Mm -hmm. So he was making fun of Brody. He didn't. Brody didn't appreciate it. And the way I remember, he went up and tried to punch him in the face. Who? Brody? Yeah. And Brody's not a little dude. He's a big dude. Yeah, but, athlete too. Yeah, but you had a a violent confrontation with somebody. Yeah, I'm violent. I'm Asian. Well, no, no. But the weird thing is, most of the time you're. Um, you're you're a very calm and collected sure but the the thing that happened with you and some other guy at the underground is you snapped and fucking karate chopped somebody wait who was this uh, i remember you snapping at the underground and everyone was like oh my god did you hear what happened um uh i can't remember there's yoshi, so many of those yoshi uh got you got mad at somebody and you 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 fucking beat him down I did. It happened really quickly, and it was over within like two seconds, and everyone was amazed. We were all, we were all like, "He never gets mad." So when you get mad, you get mad all at once, and then it's gone. Yeah. You know. You know. It's just this thing that. I try to avoid situations like that, or certain people that aggravate me. Mm -hmm. Like I don't want to be around. Like. Maybe if I work really hard, maybe I could have gone back to Evil Angel. But I knew that if I went back, that several people who fucked me over, I would have probably punched the guy in the fucking face. And, right, right. You know. Yeah. Because um, um, I, I don't like bullies going looking for problems. But for me, if somebody crossed the line, do something pers uh, personal to me, especially if I was loyal to that organization, they treat me like that, then I feel like, and it's not acceptable behavior, but like if they cross me, I feel like I need to kick that person's fucking face in, mm -hmm. you know? And mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's but why I'm mean, not really into Asian culture because they don't really promote that sort of thing, you know? Well, nobody promotes, no culture promotes violence, but occasionally it happens. Like uh, when you need to read Clausewitz. Well, yeah, when shit hits the fan, um, there's a there's a, um, a passage in the Tao Te Ching, um, 
Oh. You love that book. Yeah, you love yeah. that book. There's a passage in the Daddy Jing, and we should probably end with this. I'm drunk, and let me see if I can. Uh, vi- um, I got buzzed too. All right. Weapons are tools of violence. All decent men avoid them. Weapons are tools of fear. A decent man will avoid them except in the direst necessity, and if compelled, will use them. Only with the utmost restraint. So the Tao Te Ching is not necessarily against violence. The Tao Te Ching understands that violence does happen sometimes. And sometimes it's necessary. Yeah. Uh, so I I, I kind of like that. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's 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 kind of a acceptance of the way things are you know what's weird like i know joe rogan right and i've been on joe rogan's uh, podcast mm-hmm. he know a lot of mixed martial art guys and but like more of these guys know more martial art they're more inclined not to use violence because they if you're driving freeway and you're a ferrari and like toyota corolla is trying to race you you already know who's going to win so there's mm. like you don't even care anymore you know and um uh, I don't. I don't know why I was telling you that. Well, I mean, it, it's it's about. Um, there's also a thing in the Tao Te Ching. Um, uh, I'm not looking for problems, but if the problem comes when, to, uh, come to the, me, I'm going to deal yeah, with it. One of the great lines of the Tao Te Ching is mm. uh, when two great forces oppose each other, the victory goes to the one who knows how to yield. So, like, let's sounds say, like a jiu-jitsu right there. Well, let's say you meet someone that is your perfect opponent. Yeah, it's usually good to yield. You know, uh, you you gain the upper hand. You almost use your opponent's strength against that person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a, a is a lot like judo. Yeah, I mean, judo is, is yeah. a lot of leveraging. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, we should. We should. I, you know, I have to go to. I have to go pee. Yeah. I think we've been talking for an hour. Uh, hour and 14. Oh, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll stop. How long have we been talking? Hour and 14. But, James, it's a great seeing you. I don't know when I have to leave because i got to move the fucking car, but it's been 12, 13 years. I'm very happy to see you mm-hmm. in Kansas City. Very, very weird time <laughs> because they literally won the last game. They swept the Baltimore Orioles. Yes. They were going to World Series first time in 29 years. And uh, uh, and we have Google Fiber here in Kansas City. And who was the player for uh, Brett? What's his name for Kansas City? Um, uh, Brett. Uh, fuck. Brett. He got really angry because the 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 the, 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 the referee thought he corked his bat. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, I'm I'm very happy for people of Kansas City because my Seattle Seahawks won the Super Bowl first time ever, and uh, they've been waiting for a long, long fucking time. I was a fucking. I was a fucking teenager the last time they won the fucking World Series. So this is my first time driving up here. I literally went to, uh, when you call me, I went to the stadium, took a bunch of pictures over there. I also took a picture of the Arrowhead. And then uh, I'm here seeing you for the first time in 12, 13 years. And uh, I'm glad you were doing podcasts. I don't know. I think anyone listening to this, if they don't know any of the people, it probably doesn't make any sense. But yeah, it's great that, um, you know, you're you you're not angry about Kelly fucking around with your wife, <laughs> and, and uh, I forgot that I, I beat up somebody at the comedy underground. <laughs> I thought I did everything at the Giggles Comedy Club, and uh, but um, mm-hmm. anyway, um, everyone, thanks for listening. I know it's very sloppy. It was all over the place. I'm I'm drunk, 
and I literally have to move my car in five hours to get the fuck out of here. So anyway, thanks for listening to the show. James, um, uh, Unbookable, when is that movie going to be ready, you think? Well, you can get it online on uh, the unbookablesmovie.com mm -hmm. right now, or you can get it on BitTorrent, but we're gonna we're re-editing the movie, um, and so it's going to come out again, and it's going to be on Netflix, or uh, it's going to be on Amazon Google Play or something. We're trying to get it on uh, video on demand, so mm -hmm. that's our goal. And 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 James Inman, a, a terrific comedian, somebody I respect. He was on Doug Stanham's podcast. It was the number one favorite podcast episode ever. He just did a, a second episode yesterday. So please check James Inman on uh, Doug Stanhope's uh, uh, podcast. Listen to him. Check his stuff in the Heckler the documentary. Uh, check out his uh, unbookable uh, DVD, which will be coming out and hopefully premiere in uh, other major cities. And you have a Twitter account website that they mm -hmm. can follow you. Uh, yeah, uh, Twitter, James Inman. Uh, Jay Zinman. Uh, you can go to my website. You can find. I get a P. I mean, I James J A M E S I N M A N dot com, yeah. uh -huh. and uh, follow him. And uh, we will. I will talk to you guys soon. <laughs> Bye.